Well, good morning. So glad to have you here today at Rock Point. And uh, today you're here for a special day. We're uh, looking at the book of Joshua today. We've been going through the tour and we have challenged our congregation to read through the Bible this year. And so that's one of the reasons we've gone through the Torah for the last 12 weeks. And then today, we are looking at the book of Joshua. And we have a special guest with us, uh, Rabbi Mordecai Griffin from Sar Shalom Synagogue. He is a Jew who believes that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, Yeshua is the Messiah, and uh, worships Christ. And so uh, he and his congregation in Saginaw. And so I've asked him to come to give us a little bit of a Jewish perspective as we look at the book of Joshua. So if you would, welcome Rabbi Mordecai Griffin. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. Well, Rabbi, uh, as a Jew, uh, help us to uh, understand the book of Joshua a little bit and what it means to you and how does it help you to see Jesus? How does it help you to see Yeshua? Oh, man. Well, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for allowing me to share with you briefly this morning. So the book of Joshua, Yehoshua, as we say in Hebrew, is is really in a lot of ways um, a book of redemption. It's a book of redemption uh, for the Jewish people and the story. Uh, Of course, we, we leave Egypt and Hashem takes us to the Holy Mountain to now that we are redeemed and saved, if you will, he wants to impart to us his holy word, his Torah. Uh, but we make a big mistake. We, we dance around a golden calf. And, and, in, and instead of being faithful to the word that we had just committed to, we break that word. And that first generation dies in the wilderness. The second generation comes, comes uh, around. And now they have the opportunity to go and, and receive the promise. But they have, they have to make a decision. Are they going to receive the promise um, and be faithful to the word, or are they going to make the mistake of the, the previous generation? And so the book of Joshua is very much like a, a book of redemption um, to us and, and a way to do it right. Joshua himself, the word, of, the, the name Joshua is Yehoshua, as I said, and actually where we get the name of the Mashiach is Yeshua. That's his name, literally. And the sages, our ancient rabbis say that uh, Joshua was like the moon and Moshe was like the sun. Moshe's face literally shone when he was with God. But more than that is that, he re, that Joshua reflected his rabbi, if you will. And Joshua, what was unique about him is that unlike anyone else, he never left Moshe's side. He was always on the mountain with him. Whenever he was on the mountain, he was with Moses. Whenever Moses went to the tent of meeting, he was with, with Moses. In fact, the Torah says that Joshua never left the tent. And so he was a complete reflection of his rabbi Moses. And what do we learn about Messiah? Messiah said, whatever you see me doing is because I saw my father doing it. And that he's the son. Uh, you can say, you know, literally. And we are to reflect him. So it's a book of redemption. And it's also a lesson to us of how to be a true disciple of the master. Great. As a Jew, help us to understand uh, the background and importance of what's going on in the book of Joshua during that time and help us to have a little bit better understanding of the biblical background there. Sure. Well, of course, the Holy Land of Israel was promised to the patriarchs. And so now is is to become the fulfillment of uh, that promise. You know, it's interesting. I was thinking about earlier that God had told uh, Moses, he says, you're your, your forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, did not know me by my divine name, but I'm making myself known to you. What's curious about that is in the Torah, we, 
we read the divine name of God in the Hebrew. So the question is, what do you mean they don't know the name? And what he meant to say was, is they have not, they've heard about my promises, but they haven't seen the fulfillment of my promises. And, and what you may not also read, which is found in Jewish literature, is that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, when they lived their life, they went around the land of Israel and they were preaching, as it were, the, one, the, the belief in the one true God and the, the, the belief in the covenant. And they were encouraging the people to convert and become members of the covenant. And many did, but most did not. And so what's happening here is that God is, A, fulfilling his promise, and, and he's also saying to Joshua, he says, Im Moshe emach. As I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. So in other words, what you've learned from your master, what you've learned about my word, take it into this land and cleanse it and purify it. So what's really going on in the book of Joshua, many people say, well, he's going in there and he's killing all these people and he's creating, he's, he's conquering it. But really what he's doing is he's bringing divine judgment with a caveat. And that is that anybody who is willing to repent, like Rahab, like the Gibeonites, anyone who's willing to repent and say, you know what, I'd rather not fight against the God of Israel, I'd rather join the God of Israel, then those people can become covenant members. And so again, it's a book of redemption, and it's about taking hold of the promises based on the promises that he had given to Moshe in the wilderness. Thank you so much, Rabbi. Thank you for having me. Appreciate you being here today. All right, our living hope as we start this series, as this is a transition sermon from the Torah uh, into the living hope as we look at the coming of Christ, as we look the celebration of the resurrection. And as we talk about it, I think it's interesting that, as the rabbi pointed out, uh, Yeshua, Joshua, uh, that is the name of Jesus, Yahweh saves. And as we look at this name and as we think about it, I think it's right in line. We have to have a great understanding to appreciate the suggestion or really the command of which God is giving here in Joshua 1 to be strong and courageous to his servant, Joshua. To be strong and courageous. We're going to see this term, this theme come up over and over and again in chapter 1 of Joshua. And so we have to ask ourselves today, what does it mean for us as followers of Christ to be strong and courageous today. He's not talking about physical strength. He's talking about being strong and courageous in the eyes of God, in our hearts and spirits. If you're like me, which probably most of you are, um, there are times where God gives you a call or direction or leading or just trying to follow him is not always that simple. It's not always that easy. It's not all that always uh, filled with thrills and good times. A matter of fact, the truth be told, uh, if I look at where I am today, I am so thankful and so grateful that I get to be the pastor of this church. I get to be a part of Rock Point Church. I, I find it uh, one of the greatest blessings I've ever received, and I'm thankful. And there's not another job that I would rather have, not another church I'd rather go, and nothing else I'd rather do. So I feel incredibly and immensely blessed. But uh, sometimes people say, well, tell us a story. Tell us about how this all worked out. And uh, I usually don't share it because most people really don't want to hear it, to be honest with you, because it goes about 30 years back, and uh, I'm in Louisiana at that point. And I feel like God calling me as a believer, a follower of Christ, to do something more than just show up on Sunday and try to be nice. 
And uh, God really does work in my heart and just convicts me to take a step. And so I uh, volunteer to be a leader within our little small church, our little small community. And while I was teaching school and, and uh, coaching at a little double-A high school in Louisiana, um, I remember very clearly one night as I was praying about, what God, what is it? What is it you want me to do? What more and what's going on? And I'm very comfortable here. I like where I am right here. I mean, my family is known in this small community of 300 people. We're a big deal here in this 300-person town. I mean, for goodness sake, I live on Don Holton Road. I mean, it's named after my father. And we have Holton Cemetery Road. I mean, everybody knows. And I'm telling you, I'm a big deal in that 300-person town. Everybody knows everybody else's dog in that town. I remember, you know what I mean? We know each other and it's very comfortable there and I felt like God and just as I prayed as I talked to people as I consulted my spiritual mentors and I says just really sought the heart of God I want you to be trained I want you to go to seminary and it and, and here's the deal God wasn't calling me to be a pastor at that point I know that sounds crazy now I knew I would do more and I would either volunteer or part time help in the student ministry, which I was already doing. But I really didn't have a desire to be a pastor, didn't think I'd be a pastor. I mean, that's for old people, like over 50. You know, that's, those guys are, you know, way up there. And I was thinking that in my mind, but it was very clear to go to seminary. So uh, I'm thinking this is going to be great, you know, and I'm, I'm just going to go right here in New Orleans, but God made it abundantly clear that, you know what, that's just, you're just taking the easy way out. I want you to go someplace that you've not been. I'll never forget talking to a friend of mine who had gone to seminary up north. I said, what are you doing going up to seminary up there? He said, because he said, I felt like God was calling me not to just take it easy and not to just play it safe, not to just do what was the next easiest step, but to trust him. It was time for me to go out, which is say, God, I trust you, just you and I, and whatever you lead. And I realized the whole, my whole thought process is whatever is easiest, that's the road I'm going. The road most traveled, that'll be my road, okay? And that's what I'm thinking in my head. But as I'm doing that, I'm overwhelmed by the Spirit of God and uh, to leave my little community. And, and so it's time to leave and ended up coming to Fort Worth. And I remember putting everything in my little Toyota Tercel. And I'd been over here once and I remembered, okay, you just get on 20 and go till you get to 35 and then you go north and then take a left on seminary drive and that takes you right to seminary. All right, I'm good. Got everything packed in to my Tercel and I'm driving over here. I'm supposed to be there at five o'clock. It's three o'clock. And all of a sudden it starts to just this torrential rainstorm and it's coming down just in buckets and the traffic's there. And I see, finally see the 35 and I start going north. And after a few miles, I'm going, you know, it seemed like it was a lot closer than this last time on 35. And I'm driving, and I don't recognize anything, and then I realize I'm in Dallas. I didn't know there were two 35s. (laughs) What kind of community has the same number for a road like that? We don't do that in the backwoods of Louisiana. There's Don Holton Road. I mean, you don't have Holton 1 and Holton 1, and there's two different roads. What's going on here? And so I'm in traffic, and it's 3.30. I'm supposed to be in Fort Worth at 5, and it's just stopped, and it's raining. And I'm thinking, what am I doing here? And I'm, I don't even know where to go. I don't have a map. It's for cell phones, no GPS, not that I could have afforded one. And I finally were stopped, and a, there's some guy in a black car next to me, and so I rolled down my window. Yes, I didn't have electric windows. I rolled down my window, and I finally get the guy's attention. And he cracks about this far. I go, where's Fort Worth? And he looks at me, and he goes... This is great. 
And so I'm thinking, I should just go home. I want to go home. This, what, I don't want to be here. This is not right. This can't be right. Eventually, I make it just a little bit after five. They let me in. And then I remember going through the whole process of trying to find a job. And I'm thinking, I'm a college graduate. I made good grades. You know, I've been teaching school, conforming young minds. And I'll get a good job. I can't get nothing. <laughs> nope, 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 nope. I'm filling all these resumes out. If I'm getting an interview, it's going nowhere. So finally, you know, I'm over there. I'm, I'm finally interviewed for a security job at a retirement home, at a nursing home. And my job is not to make sure people get in, but to make sure people don't get out. And I have the 11 to 7 shift. And I'm thinking, is this what I've come here for? So from 11 to 7, I go and I make sure, you know, Mr. Jones, let's go back to our room. You can't go out now. And so that's, that's what I'm doing. Because I've got a degree. I've worked hard, and God's called me here for some reason. And so I, I remember this one guy, I'd have a conversation with him every night, and I thought we had to develop a relationship, but he kept asking me what my name and who I was every time. But anyway, so we, we come on, and, and I, I, keep, I have 9 a.m. classes till about 3 every afternoon in seminary. And after about two weeks, I find myself at 9, falling asleep. Then I get up and go to my 10 o'clock, and I fall asleep there. And then I go to 11 o'clock, and I fall asleep there, and I just go... What's that right about this picture? And I remember just thinking, God, what is going on? It's that deal where, I, I, I don't know about you, but sometimes you have these periods of your life where you take two steps forward, and then you kind of get kicked in the head, and you just kind of stumble back. And you think you're making progress, and then you get kicked in the head. And after about the third or fourth time, you think, I, I don't think that's the right path. I get kicked on the head all the time. I was thinking, you know what? Fort Worth, Texas, for people who like get kicked in the head, I, I, I don't know that this is the right place. And you know what I had to go back to? The call. The call. Joshua had a call. Moses had a call. You ever thought about Moses' call? I mean, on the outside, we liked that we did the movie. We'd like to talk about how successful Moses was. But you ever thought about this? Moses went through all that. He went through the 40 years in the wilderness. He went through the leading the people who, you know, just a myriad of problems, people turning on him, people, even his own sister and brother, uh, bad-mouthing him people saying you shouldn't be in charge and he just went through all of this and he's faithful and then you know what happens he never enters into the promised land gets right up to the edge and he never goes in I mean by our terms our human terms Christianity he was a failure doggone it he never made it to the big leagues I mean he got right up there it's time to get drafted and go all right you're out we're taking you out God takes him out wow in that same line of thinking, you ever thought about Jeremiah? God called him while he was still in the womb of his mother. And he calls him, and I want you to be a prophet. I want you to preach. I want you to preach a message of repentance. I want you to preach to all the people. I want you to tell them to repent. I want you to tell them judgment's coming if they don't repent. And guess what, Jeremiah? Nobody's going to listen to you. <laughs> you're not going to have any converts. I mean, you're, if, if you're an evangelist and you're being you're looked at, nobody would want you because no one ever repents. No one, ever, no one ever comes. Matter of fact, they just want to kill you. That's all they want to do. You preach, and they want to kill you. You'd have to think, this must not be right. But Jeremiah had to go back to the call. That's what we see right here with Joshua. Joshua is being chosen by God to take Moses' place. And Joshua is going to be strong and courageous because he's going to stand upon that promise, upon that call that God has given him. He's going to sense the presence of God. He's going, to stay on the pro- he's going to stay on the path, and he's going to start the process. 
That's exactly what Joshua's going to do, and that's what it means to be strong and courageous for us today. Let's look at our text in Joshua chapter 1, beginning with the first verse. <clears throat> and after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, and by the way, <clears throat> this is a term that's used for Moses over and over and over again, the servant of the Lord. Now Joshua's going to be the servant of the Lord. Uh, that's leadership right there for God, the servant of the Lord, doing what God has called being strong and courageous and doing what God has called. The Lord said to Joshua, Yahshua, again we talked about uh, the name of Jesus, Joshua, Yahshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. There's the term again, Moses, my servant, is dead. God is not surprised by this. He is not shocked by this. This was his plan. Moses went through all that, he's the one that got the people to where they are today, ready to walk into the land, and then God removes him at that time. Can I tell you this? For some of you, the reason that you're sitting right here is because of what your grandparents did and what your parents did. You go, oh, no, I earned it. I worked hard. I went to school. Well, why don't you try that in Tibet? Why don't you try that in South Sudan right now? Say, I want to go to school. I'm going to try hard. You're, you may not be given that. You may be in the wrong tribe. You don't get that opportunity. Matter of fact, we want to kill you. We want to exterminate you. Do you think it's? Do you think if they just well, they would just try harder, they just study? No, it's, that's not the way it always works. You have been blessed to be placed in the position that you're in. It is a gift of God, and you'll see God's over and over going to say, "Look, I'm going to give you this." Now we have responsibility, certainly, but that you're here this morning. In this church, in this country, it's because you've been blessed. It has been given to you. This opportunity has been given to you. This life has been given to you. Moses, my servant, is dead there. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all the people into the land. And what does he say? That I am giving to them. You have a responsibility, but you've not earned it or deserved it. I am giving it to you. It's a promise that was made with Abraham, the patriarchs. And you know what the promise was? First of all, you're going to have a legacy. There's going to be progeny, Abraham. Didn't have any children at the time. So there's going to be a legacy. Secondly, I'm going to give you blessing. I'm going to meet your needs. He doesn't promise to meet his greeds, but he said, I'm going to meet your needs. And thirdly, I'm going to give you a place. And this is the place right here. This is where they're heading to. It was given to Abraham, given to the patriarch. It was the patriarchal promise. You and all the people into the land, I'm giving you them to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, I, God, Yahweh, have given to you just as I promised Moses, my servant. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. In other words, I am sovereign, I am God, I will determine, and no one can stand against you. No one will be able to defeat you just as I was with Moses, so will I be with you, speaking to Joshua, and I will not leave you. My presence will be with you. I've given you a promise that I'm going to give you a land, and now I'm promising you my presence will be with you, and I will not leave you or forsake you. And here's that phrase again, be strong and courageous. Believe in the promise. Believe in my presence. Recognize I'm with you. Be strong and courageous. For you shall 
cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. It's because of the promise that I made to their fathers. And then he says it again. Only be strong and very courageous. Being careful to do all according to that my, my servant Moses has commanded you. So we see the responsibility here. There is a responsibility that they are to take. Uh, God is giving to, but you also have responsibility. Same is true for us today. And he says, what? Do not turn it from the right hand or to the left that you may have success wherever you go. The book of the law shall not do what? Depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate. You shall know it. You shall feast upon it. You shall memorize it day and night. Meditate upon it so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. So I'm going to make you a promise. I'm going to give you my presence. And then if you will own up to your responsibility, this is what's going to happen. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? There's that phrase again. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. My presence is with you. And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions for within three days you are to pass over the Jordan and go take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And to the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. The Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Uh, When I read that verse, I I think of John chapter 14 where Jesus says, uh, I go there to prepare a place for you that where I am you may also be. There was a land, there's a place that God has provided for believers who follow Christ. And here's a picture of what's coming. This is a foreshadowing of what is to come. Your wives, your little ones, Your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But all the men of valor among you shall pass over the armed, uh, your brothers, and shall help them until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has given to you. And they also take possession of the land that the Lord your God is what? Giving them. Then you shall return. This is part of your responsibility. Then you shall return to the land of your possessions and you shall possess it. The land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave, there's that word again, you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise, and they answered Joshua, all that you have commanded, we will do, and whatever you send, wherever you send us, we will go, just as we obeyed Moses. Now, everybody didn't always obey Moses. You know, sometimes we think of extremes when we're reading the stories. Why did those crazy, primitive people, you know, bow down and worship the golden calf? You know, I bet if they looked up forward to us, they would say, why do those crazy people sit in front of that tube with those pictures on it for six hours every day? You know what I mean? I think they'd probably look at us the same way, to be honest with you. They're not quite as primitive as we like to think. But nevertheless, um, as we look at this, we think, just as we obey, why, why did sometimes they not obey? Well, realize there was always a remnant who was faithful. But because many of the people, it, it infected the whole nation. And so they would all come under God's judgment sometimes because of the sin of some. And it didn't mean everyone necessarily in every case. 
But just as we obeyed Moses in all things, maybe the remnant speaking, maybe not. You know, sometimes we like to kind of ride in on the coattails of other people's righteousness. But anyway, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. And whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him, he should be put to death. Of course, as long as it's not us. Only be strong and courageous. There's that term again, be strong and courageous. So what does it mean for us today? to be strong and courageous. We see what Joshua did. We see what he had to do to be strong and courageous, that he had to believe the promise and act upon it. He sensed the presence of God. He stayed on the path, and then he started on the process. It's the same thing God asked us to do today. What about from what we've been called as believers and followers of Christ? How do we have a strong and courageous faith today? How do we prepare to be strong and courageous? Well, if you read the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, Jesus addresses uh, pretty much all these issues. What are some ways that we can be strong and courageous? One of the ways that we, what are some of the ways that we prepare our faith, that we strengthen our faith? Well, number one, Jesus talks about prayer and fasting. One of the things that we're doing during Lent this season is we are uh, fasting, we challenged you, or hopefully God has led you to, to fast from something. It may be media, it may be food, uh, maybe entertainment, maybe something else, whatever it is, and devote that time uh, to prayer, devote that time to, to learning God's word, devote that time to drawing near to God. And Jesus makes it clear uh, that he rewards and his presence is amongst those who seek him, diligently seek him as they pray and as they fast. So that's one thing that we can do. Another thing that we can do is understand that, you know what, sometimes we're going to be excluded because of Christ, but we trust him anyway. Sometimes we're going to be excluded or left out, or sometimes we're going to get kicked in the head uh, down the trail, but we trust him anyway. Sometimes God, uh, at all time, God expects us to give without expectation of room. Return. Jesus talks about this. Giving without expectation of return. So often our giving is tied to, well, I want, I want to get this. I want to see how I benefit this. I want to see. And Jesus talks about giving without thinking you're going to get back. It's one of the reasons he got on to the uh, religious officials of that day. Because when they would give, people would notice. People would recognize. And Jesus puts a high premium on giving without expectation of return. Which goes against our very nature. Which conforms us to the image of Christ. Uh, when we stand upon these promises, there are a couple other things to just think about here and consider. Um, first of all, when we're faithful during trials. When we're faithful during trials. Um, Muhammad Ali uh, tells a story about in, uh, when he was starting his boxing career and he had his, his biggest bout he'd ever had. He was facing Sonny Liston, who was the heavyweight champion of the world at that time. And he said, man, I was giving him everything I could give him. But it seemed like the harder I hit him, the worse it hurt me. He said, the guy was like a big rock. And it felt like I was hitting a rock. And it, like it, was, it looked to me like it wasn't even phasing him. He said, I went in the sixth round and I gave it everything I had. And I came out stumbling and I came back to my corner. And I slunched down and I told my trainer, Angelo, I'm done. I quit. I cannot beat that guy. I quit. He said, no, you're not going to quit. He goes, I am. He goes, I can't even lift my arms up. 
And he said, you remember the commitment you made? Remember the promise that you made that we weren't going to ever quit until you were the heavyweight champion? He goes, then get out there and live that promise. He said, get out there and don't you come back until you're the heavyweight champion of the world. And Ali said, I went out there and he said, I somehow mustered the strength and began to fight. And he said, at the end of the fight, I, I had won. I learned a great lesson. He said, first of all, I couldn't trust just my feelings because I felt like I had nothing left. I felt like I couldn't do it. But my trainer, who had been doing this for a lot longer, he saw the cracks in St. Liston, and he realized that we were on the verge of a victory, and he didn't let me quit, and I had to go back to that promise. I had to live at something outside of my feelings because it was too hard to just go in my own strength and what I felt staying faithful in trials, believing that he's going to meet our needs through his riches and glory, even if it doesn't look like what we think it should look like, and believing that God's going to work all things together for good for them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose, that he's going to redeem all things for his glory. And secondly, sensing his presence. How do we sense his presence today? Well, one, we start by confession. Confessing our sin, confessing who God is and who we are not, confessing that we're not really in control, confessing that it's not all about us, confessing, though, that we sure live that way and we sure want to and we sure act that way, and just getting absolutely honest with God. Reading and studying his word, one of the reasons we're challenging you to read through the Bible this year is because as you begin to read, the words of God begin to penetrate your heart, soul, and mind, and they begin to resonate, and they begin to transform you, even when you can't feel it or see it. It's kind of like working out. If you go work out one time and go, huh, I don't seem any bigger. <laughs> I ate a healthy meal. I don't feel healthier. No, it's over time. The, the supernatural presence of God working in and through his word. As we come to church, we come together. One of the reasons that we come is to sense and experience the presence of God. Not that we can't do it outside of church, but there's something special. That's why God said in, in the word of God in Hebrews 10, 25, forsake not the assembling, the ecclesia, the gathering together of believers as we come and we bring worship. And one of the things we do is we sing. Some of you say, well, I'm not really a singer. It's not about the quality of your voice. It's about the quality of your heart. It's about the pureness and, and the abandonment. It's, it, for some of us, it's, it's humbling to sing, isn't it? But it's a way that we express our heart and our worship to God. It's the way that we, one of the ways that we sense his presence. It's speaking. When I begin to speak and begin to share, uh, talk about God, talk about Christ, talk about my relationship, talk about the hymn, talk about the gospel and what he's done, then I begin to sense the presence. You ever share the gospel? You ever share with somebody uh, the good news that, hey, I know I'm a sinner but I know there's a great God who loves me and he has made a way for me through the person of Jesus Christ and that through him, his grace and his blood covers me and I am forgiven. When you share that, there's a sense of his presence that comes upon you. Are you sensing his presence today? And then thirdly, are you staying on the path? You know, there was a responsibility that they had to not head to the right or the left. Basically, don't get off track. Don't get sidetracked. Don't follow other cultures. Uh, don't follow other people groups. I want you to stay on track, and I want you to meditate on my word. I want you to stay on the path, and I want you to recognize that you're going to go not in your own strength, but in the power of God. 
It's the promise, it's the call, it's the presence that I'm going to take you in my strength. And there's going to be a time where you get kicked in the head and you can't go on anymore. Maybe some of you could give testimony. I've been been kicked in the head, felt like I don't want, maybe you're here today. I'm kicked in the head right now, Pastor Ron. Matter of fact, uh, if if something doesn't change, I am going to quit. I am going to stop. You know where that message is coming from. It doesn't come from God. God's message is be strong and courageous. And don't stop. Believe as you stay on the path that it's not the strength of your physical flesh, but the power of God. And realize and remember, it's not about your feelings. It's about what's true. It's not about what you feel. It's about what's true. You can't listen, always listen to your feelings. Often your feelings will say, quit, stop. I don't like this. This is painful. Stop. But God's spirit is what carries Moses through. It's what carried Jeremiah through. It's what will carry Joshua through. It's what strong and courageous looks like. In spite of what I feel, I will trust you. Just like Job said, though you slay me, yet will I trust you, O God. That's being strong and courageous. And when we start to act upon it, the courage comes. You know, if I was studying, I, we don't have time to go into this, but I was studying some of the great heroes of history. And universally, every one of them said <clears throat> they were afraid, but there was a higher calling. There was something more important than what they felt. It's the same picture if your child is in a burning house, you go in. Under no other circumstances would you ever run into a burning home. I mean, you're not going to do it if somebody said, hey, I dare you to run through that. You're not going to do that, okay? Or, hey, I left my $10. You're not going to do that. My child's in there. Is there something bigger going on here? Then, then I, and I'm not going to listen to my feelings because every feeling will be saying, everything in my life, hey, that's hot. It's going to hurt you. Don't do it. But there's a bigger cause. That's the picture. When the God of the universe has called, we recognize it's a bigger picture than what I simply feel. We walk out in obedience. Um, back in 2012, the head of the European Central Bank uh, was about to address uh, the audience because the whole euro dollar was in deep crisis and there was a thought that this whole currency is going to fail, this whole financial uh, philosophy is going to fail and um, it's just going to be a colossal mess and the markets were were terrible and um, there was no consumer confidence. Uh, it's just It was just a very dark and dismal time and, and the head of the central bank it was about to address the audience the next day and everybody knew that based on what he said, that either the mar- markets were going to surge or yet there was going to be utter chaos, okay? And you would see basically maybe the end to the euro system. So he comes the next morning and the media asks him the question. And they ask him, uh, sir, what are you going to do to ensure that the euro does not fall to make sure that our economy is not decimated? What are you going to do to ensure that our financial system continues uh, to, to move on? And uh, this is not the end of the euro as we know it. And he gave them a three-word answer that completely calmed the crowd and caused the markets to surge and rally. Three words. He said three words. You know what he said? This is July 26, uh, 2012. He said this. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. 
Can I tell you, as a believer and follower of Christ, you know what God's calling us to do as we follow him? Whatever it takes. Whatever it costs. You're strong and courageous when you do whatever it takes. That's the picture. You know what Joshua was saying before the people? Whatever it takes, I will go. God didn't even tell him how it was going to happen. He said, I just want you to go. So you get to Jericho. I go, march around. All right, march around tomorrow. March around. March around the next day. March around. I mean, he's just, he's just going with a revelation that he's been given, and he's faithful. Then finally on the seventh day, go around seven times, play in a band. And, you know, some archaeologists now look at Jericho, and they go, you know, there was some, some kind of great fall there. that We think that just at the right time there was a, some of them, secular, there was a big earthquake that happened, and those walls fell. Well, you know, I don't know, maybe God did use an earthquake, but don't you think it's pretty ironic that at that time, at that day, at that moment, there was an earthquake, regardless of how it, was, how it happened? But archaeologists go back and said, yeah, there was some kind of mass destruction or earthquake that happened right about that time. Whatever it takes. We have a God who is behind us, a God who is for us, a God who is with us. I love it. I want to go back to the promise that was made to Abraham. and It's a promise that I think uh, we can be grafted into in a foreshadowing manner. What was the promise? I want to give you a legacy. You can make a difference in this world. You can make a difference in your family. You can make a difference in those around you. Number two, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to meet your needs. I'm going to take care of you, what you need. And thirdly, I'm going to give you a place. That's what Jesus promises us us today, isn't it? I want to use you for my glory. And I want to meet your needs. I want to bless you. And I'm preparing a place for you one day that you will enter into. If you want to call it the promised land, call it heaven. But it's where I am that you may be also. That's the promise. What about you? Have you received it? Can I tell you this? It's not about what God needs from you. Here's the real truth. God doesn't need anything from you. He's going to be fine. If he can do without Moses, he can do without you. He can certainly do without me. But the real thing is, you need him. Have you received him yet? Let's pray. Father, thank you that while we were still sinners, you died for us. And as we prepare to receive from the table of the Lord, Lord, I pray that you would convict our hearts. And Lord, as we seek to be strong and courageous, Lord, that we would stand upon the promise that you are with us, Lord. Your presence is with us, that you've called us to be a follower of Christ and to follow your word. And Lord, I pray that as we sense your presence and as we start this process, Lord, as we stay on the path that you have led us, that, God, we would be strong and courageous, that we wouldn't quit, that we wouldn't fall away, that we would persevere as saints for your glory. Thank you so much for this precious time to come to your table, to remember what you've done for us, to celebrate, to give testimony that you are our God and Savior, and that through Jesus Christ we have been forgiven and made righteous before you. We thank you for this time. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.